I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 143. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Sometimes there's a song that is so powerful, so full of references to truth in Scripture that I'm almost overwhelmed with the possibilities of where to go in Scripture. And that's how I felt this week with Stephen Curtis Chapman's song, One True God. In his story behind the song, which I will link to in the show notes for you, but Stephen Curtis Chapman discusses how he intended to take the listener from Genesis through the entire Bible and um, to uncover the one true God. And if, if you look at the lyrics closely, you'll see it. So what I did was I stuck with the main idea of the song found in the title and highlighted in the chorus. God is the one true God. Let's listen. You are... The one alone in greatness, the one who never changes, Jesus, you are the one who rose in power, the one who reigns forever, Jesus, the one true God. In a prayer that Jesus spoke to God aloud for his disciples to hear, found in John 17, he refers to God as the one true God. Now, without getting too deep in the weeds here, I just want to say that Jesus is God, and God is one God in three persons, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when our song says, Jesus, you are the one true God, and our scripture focus is Jesus saying God is the one true God, these ideas are not at odds with one another. But I used several Bible interaction tool exercises this week as I prepared for the podcast, and I call my Bible interaction tool exercises BITES, B-I-T-E, because they help us take a bite out of Scripture. And if you've listened for any length of time, you might say to yourself, she uses some of the bites over and over and over again. And that's true because they're simple and they've become such a habit for me that they're natural and don't feel so hard that I use the difficulty of the habit as a reason not to get into scripture. Like I don't remember what I'm supposed to do, right? So then I don't read the Bible at all. So if the habits that you have are so complicated that you have to refer to them in some sort of workbook to remember them, then you won't use them. So I have a few that I use over and over. And of course, I toss in a new one every now and then just to mix it up and keep my time in the Bible. Bible exciting and um, varied. So I'll introduce this week's bites as I go along. But the first Bible interaction tool exercise is to understand the context 
of our focus scripture. Now, most of the time I do that by reading the chapter before and the chapter after the focus area. But this week I I used a couple of other bites to help me discover the context more fully. So first I read John chapter 17 all the way through. It's a prayer. So to chop it up from the beginning would be like pausing a movie after every quotable line the first time you watch it. That would be a horrible way to watch a movie. So don't do it to letters or prayers or even complete stories found in God's word. So after I read John 17, I asked a few questions. That's another Bible interaction tool exercise. Ask questions. And it's really effective to write them down. So here's a few. Who prayed? Who was with him? Where were they? What events led up to this prayer? And what happened immediately after the prayer? So what's great about this bite is that you might come up with completely different questions. In fact, I'm sure you will. You know, we probably don't think exactly alike, right? So don't let me ask all the questions. Think for yourself and then write them down. So in answer to the first three questions, and again, remember I said these bites are helping us discover the context. So when I say, who prayed, and we look at the text and we can see that Jesus is the one praying, and who was with Jesus, we can look um, around in context and see that his disciples were with him. And then where were they? Now, this took a little digging. So this prayer is in the midst of a lot of red letters. And if you have a red letter Bible, you will discover that they reflect the words of Jesus. So if you flip back in scripture until you get out of the red letters, you might discover that perhaps Jesus and his disciples are at the feast of the Passover, commonly referred to as the Last Supper. Maybe. Let's take the next bite and see if that's where they are. But what events led up to this prayer? So the bite, the Bible interaction tool exercise that I commonly use to help me gain context without necessarily reading five or six chapters is to read the section titles. Now, sometimes section titles can cause us to stop reading when we shouldn't. You know, they separate thoughts that God intended to keep together. However, they are really useful tools when discovering context. So by either reading the chapters leading up to chapter 17, I mean, it wouldn't be the most awful thing in the world to read five or six chapters of God's word, right? So by reading the text or noting the section titles or both, we discover this. We discover that Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. Um, that Jesus shares with the disciples that one of them would betray him. Of course, all of this is at that feast of the Passover, that last supper that I was talking about a second ago. Jesus gives them a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. Jesus foretells Peter's denial. Jesus tells the disciples he's going to heaven to uh, prepare a place for them. And he is the way. Uh, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus suggests a venue change. He says, rise, let us go from here. So I think this takes them on a hike through a vineyard. And I talk about this extensively in episode 123. So again, remember how I said, where were they? And the text, if you read the text, you might, if you, and, and the headlines, you might say, well, maybe they're still at this Passover meal. But he specifically says, let's go from here. And so Jesus continues to discuss with the disciples what will happen to him while they're on their way somewhere else. So, and he also discusses what is coming for them too. Now, insert our focus prayer in chapter 17. But before we pick this prayer apart, I want to answer my final question. What happens immediately after this prayer? Well, that's when Jesus is betrayed and arrested. 
So tucked in the middle of Jesus' final words, his encouragement and suggestions to his disciples, and before his betrayal and arrest is our focus prayer for this week. Think about that for a while. You maybe even take a whole day pondering the context and let it roll around in your mind a little bit. This will give you a foundation to then come back and take a close look at each element in John 17. So again, give yourself some time. I think sometimes we have rules in our own head of how we're supposed to interact with God's word. Like I've read that before or I'm super familiar with it. Um, um, and if even if you are, I would encourage you to give yourself some space to really think about things and meditate on them. And I just want to reiterate, you need to read the prayer all the way through. So the first time you read it or listen to it on the on an audio Bible, perhaps even several times before you start to take it apart piece by piece. Unfortunately, on the podcast, I'm jumping straight into picking it apart. But if you uh, don't want to pause the podcast and then listen to or read John 17, then promise me at some point you'll read it for yourself. And then maybe re-listen to the podcast or better yet, just follow the example that I'm giving today to closely examine each piece for yourself. So let's jump into verse one. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. After saying what things, okay, that would be a common question that I would ask. Well, we've already explored the context, so we know, but Jesus looks up to heaven and he's praying out loud. And when I consider the phrase, the hour has come, I think about the fact that although I know that this is not Christ's final prayer, it's close. You know, I think of two things. Number one, this is the end. You know, this prayer is not the one where you ask God to help your kids on their next spelling test. This is a monumental prayer. And then number two, this was an appointment. So the hour was in God's schedule all along. The hour had come, but it was planned from the beginning. So then Jesus asks God to glorify him so that he can give glory back to God. This is an interesting request. You know, it seems on the surface a prayer that I may not want to mimic. You know, I mean, for me to ask God to glorify me seems a bit prideful. Um, But of course, Jesus is God, so it's not the same when he asks it. But you can't read this too fast. I mean, what does glory even mean? Can you tell me? Well, I couldn't tell you without looking it up. So I went to the source word and the Greek word here for glory. I I went to that to see if I could gain some insight. This is another Bible interaction tool exercise, completing a word study. Now, internet resources make this really easy. And I am not a Greek scholar, and I cannot pull out the nuances of tense and word structure and all of that, but I can gain knowledge from the definition, and to see how it's used in other places in scripture, all of which you can discover in a word study. I'm going to link to that word study page for the word glorify in the show notes, but here is what I discovered. Glorify, the word for glorify is doxazo, and it means to ascribe weight by recognizing real substance and value. Wow, isn't that great? So glorifying God means valuing him for who he really is, personally acknowledging God in his true character. It can be translated honor, magnify, 
or praise. And I love that I did a whole podcast on magnify, the idea of magnifying God, and that's in episode 135. Now, that study brought a jolt of excitement when I discovered it again here in the word glorify. So that's what happens when you start studying God's word and you start making some of these exciting links. You just get... I don't know, I'm a little nerdy that way. Maybe it's just me. But Jesus is asking God to ascribe weight by recognizing the real substance of who Christ is, his value, acknowledging his character, all so that Jesus can turn around and reflect it right back to God. And it reminds me of what Jesus said just a few chapters before in John 14, verse 9. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father because he's so good at reflecting that glory of God back to God. So what is about to happen, the cross and the resurrection, all that's coming, you know, the hour had come, this hour, this is going to be a whole new level of glorifying the son, a whole new level of glorifying the father, a totally different weight class. And all of that is just the first verse. (laughs) Okay, so the Bible is rich, y'all. I mean, if we will slow down and really think about it, We don't have to be scholars. We don't have to know how to make the deep theological connections to really gain a depth of understanding of scripture that we've never had before just by putting in a little bit of effort. And I want both, by the way. I I want those deep theological connections, but I know that we need to start somewhere. And that is why I'm trying to teach you and inspire you to jump into God's word for yourself. So as we move on to verse 2, we begin to uncover so many wonderful attributes of Christ. So verse 2 says, For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. Now our song refers to Christ as one sovereign in power. And our verse says it this way, God has given Jesus authority over everyone. Now, I, I want to talk for a second about the idea of transfer of authority. And, and transfer of authority is, super, is, is a really super important element in leadership. Uh, my husband, he's a very successful businessman. He's got several businesses. But one thing he likes to do on the side is drive this bus for athletics for our Christian school that our girls go to and that I work for. He's had his CDL uh, since he was in high school, and he's a skilled bus driver. He, he likes to invest in the kids, and he likes to give back to the school, and he really likes driving the bus. So when he first began driving the bus for our football team, our athletic director also asked him to help out on the sideline. Okay, so after all, he was at every game, and so the head football coach at the time assigned him the position of the get-back coach. You see, when the game gets exciting or frustrating, the coaches and the players, they have the tendency to ignore the sideline and kind of ooze out onto the field, and that can result in a penalty. So he actually gave my husband the task to yank him back onto the sideline by the belt if need be, which he had to do almost every game, by the way. (laughs) In addition to that, he transferred the authority over the sideline to my husband. He told the boys and the other coaches that my husband had the authority to call them back. Now, had the coach not transferred that authority to my husband, 
He would leave the chance that the boys or some of the other coaches would not respect his call back to the standard. They would hear him, but they may not they may not listen because he did not have the authority to say it. But because he was given the authority, he had the, he had the authority then, then then chances are greater that they'll listen to him. So God God has transferred authority to Christ. In effect, giving him the right to call us back to the standard. So this second verse goes on to say, not only does Christ have the authority, it says he gives eternal life to each one you have given him. Now, Jesus is speaking of himself in third person here. And this whole prayer, by the way, is for the benefit of the disciples anyway. Uh, Jesus didn't need to say it out loud um, for, for God to know what he was talking about. So if you want to, you can replace he with the word Jesus. So Jesus gives eternal life to each one God has given him. So as a recap, God has given Jesus authority over everyone And Jesus gives eternal life to each one God has given him. So when we keep going down to verse 3, he says it a little different. But again, it's for the benefit of the listener. It's not that he thought that God was confused or that God needed the clarification. (laughs) Again, this is he's speaking out loud and in a prayer to God. But it's it's for the benefit of um, the disciples listening in. And it says, and this is eternal life to know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. So what is eternal life? Again, Jesus gives eternal life to each one God has given him. And what is eternal life? To know God, the only true God. This, by the way, is the verse that led me to John chapter 17 to begin with, right? So it's also our memory verse resource that I uh, give out to all of my subscribers to my website. So again, what is the way, uh, what is uh, What is eternal life? To know God and to know Jesus. So this is the way to eternal life. You know, earlier Jesus said, I am the way. Notice he didn't say a particular prayer of salvation is the way to eternal life. You've, so if you said a prayer but don't know God or Jesus, I'm afraid you may not be on the path to eternal life. So how do I know God and Jesus? Well, later on in this prayer, Jesus shifts to praying specifically for his followers. And he says this, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. And so we Um, that's what we're seeking to accomplish every week. You are on the right path. Keep it up. You can do it and it's worth it. Now in verse four, Jesus continues in his conversation with God. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. I brought glory to you. I honored you, Father God. I proved how much I valued you by completing the work you gave me to do. Now here we learn a really great principle. We glorify God. We bring him honor. We magnify him when we complete the work he has given us to do. Now, you might jump in right now and say, that's what I've been asking God. What am I supposed to do? What is my purpose? What is my direction? You know, we cry out to God all the time wanting to know if this is the right career, this is the right job, or this is the right home, or if this is the right church, or this is the right relationship. And we ignore that still small voice that says, this is the way. Walk in it. The voice that says, I care more about the proof that you love one another as I have loved you. I care about that more than the church you pick. 
I care about more about the fact that you follow me. I care about that more than the house you choose to live in. I care more about whether or not you feed my sheep more than the town you live in. I care more about whether or not you're making disciples than the country that you do it in. He will answer your pressing dilemmas. I'm not saying that he doesn't care about those details, those things that you're concerned about. He will. He cares about them. But we are emphasizing and obeying the part. We're, we're emphasizing questions that he wants us to just obey the parts that are already very clear. You know, maybe we're ignoring the instruction to love or follow or feed and make disciples. We're so focused on our immediate questions that we have about our circumstances that he's just like, uh, you know, throwing his hands in the air saying, but I just really want you to love one another as I have loved you. Start there. And then maybe it doesn't matter, uh, you know, exactly which house you're in. You see? So then comes verse five. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. You know, hanging out on earth as a human is not the place of value and substance that Christ enjoyed with Father God from before the beginning. But what does he mean here? Well, in Genesis, the word for God, in the beginning God, that word for God right there is plural. And he clarifies it later in Genesis when it says, let us make man in our image. John 1 clarifies even further. It says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word, capital W, is Jesus, by the way. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. You know, Jesus shared it all with God as God from before the beginning. He was there. He was a key player. He longed to return to that place of intimacy with God that cannot occur in a suit of flesh. We even talked about that last week when we discussed heaven. Our song says it this way. One voice in the dark. A song that lights up the stars. One breath that gives life, one sovereign in power, who speaks with thunder and fire. One Lord, one King, there is no other that can compare to you. Wow. All right. I'm only on verse five and this prayer lasts for 25 verses (laughs) and I could go on and on and on, but I really want to inspire you to read and study it for yourself. There's one final bite that I want to encourage you to use. I've alluded to it already today. Write down what you're learning. I may refer to a journal from time to time. This does not have to be fancy. It can be as simple as a composition book that you pick up from an office supply store. The act of writing things down will help you process. So what's next? Read John 17 all the way through. Pull out a notebook or a journal and write down some questions and then seek out the answers to record the context clues that you're going to be reading about. I picked apart five verses. Follow my example to continue studying this prayer of Jesus. Don't miss the shift in verse 9 when he starts praying for his disciples and then makes it clear that he's praying for us too. And don't miss the desperate plea for unity like Jesus and his father share. They not only share perfect unity, but they are one. 
And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter or Facebook and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to shout out to Gary from Costa Rica, Julie from Georgia, Patty from New Jersey, Judy from Georgia, and Kenya from New Jersey. These are my newest subscribers to my website. Welcome. Now, the benefit of subscribing is that I will email you once a week. And in that email, you will get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, your tablet, desktop, or you can even print it out. And you'll get an email recap of the week's episode and uh, any you'll get instant access to any of the resources that I create for my episodes from time to time. And all of that is just my way to say thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. Now, don't miss an episode of my podcast. You can subscribe directly in iTunes. And while you're there, would you leave me a written review and a star rating? This encourages me, of course, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use the song Joy by Johnny Diaz. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 143. And while you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.